Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the new Mainstream Podcast, where we explore the impact of multicultural consumers on marketing and media. I'm your host, Mario Carrasco, and co-founder of ThinkNow. Excited to introduce our guest today, Misty Wilson, Director of Marketing at Greenbook. Welcome, Misty. Thank you, Mario. Happy to be here. Yeah, happy Friday. Um, so before we dive in, I love your background. We were talking a little bit about recording. You have such deep experience in DE&I and fairly new to the insights industry, which is, I think, perfect for our podcast. Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your journey, like how you got into DE&I and then how you ended up in our little uh, interesting corner of the world of insights. <laughs> yeah, so I'm really glad actually that you describe it as a journey because I'm realizing life is very much exactly that. It's a journey, right? And so my journey began in PR, actually. So I started my career in PR and then I moved over into digital marketing. I've been doing that for about 15 years or so. Um, and then I saw that data was really where marketers were going to be focused in in the future. Um, probably about five or six years ago. And so I decided to make a little tiny pivot from marketing into data science. And so because marketing has always been my passion, I kind of kept a foothold in it by getting very heavily involved with the American Marketing Association um, here in Raleigh-Durham. And so I became the president of that chapter while I was also doing data science. And then ultimately I brought all of that back together um, two years ago when I started getting really deeply into DEI within AMA. And the idea behind that was at that time, 2020, there was a lot of tension. There was a lot of um, murders that were going on, particularly the murder of George Floyd happened. And then I know there was so much civil unrest that summer. And as I was coming into my presidency for the American Marketing Association, I wanted to do something. As a woman of color, like I just knew I had to do something. I had to be a voice. I had to let my voice be heard. But more importantly, I just felt called to lead. Um, and leading through DEI is something that I've always infused into my marketing career and into my PR profession. It is who I am, right? And I think it's the, the thing that's most core to who I am. And so I really wanted to find a way to lead marketers through that scenario. Um, and so uh, through that, with a group of probably about seven people across the country, also in AMA, we were able to create the uh, DEI chapter pledge, which is a combination of five different commitments that we wanted to get all the chapters within the AMA to sign. So they had some sort of a starting point, some sort of place that they could say, okay, we don't really know a lot about DEI, but we want to learn and we want to share it with other marketers. And so the DEI chapter pledge was a way to not only increase education amongst the AMA members, but also give them a starting place because ultimately when we're working with DEI, we're stronger together and every single voice is so incredibly important in that fight, right? So bringing all these different chapters together just opened a whole new world of excitement and energy in the DEI space. And so moving forward, I was then able to move uh, into Insights. So now I am the Director of Marketing at Greenbook. And so I've been able to kind of infuse that DEI with marketing, with data, 
and just putting it all together into this awesome space. And that's, that's really been my journey. And it's been so fun just kind of cobbling my career together through all of my favorite components of what I do in life. That's so incredible. I love um, so many parts of that. I mean, the fact that you just like made a leap, like I want to learn more about data science and you were spot on, obviously, about data being (laughs) so important to marketing, right? We're seeing, Mm -hmm. especially in our industry, such big exits, like billion dollar exits, um, all because of the data that our industry has, right? Marketing and leveraging that. Um, And then also your point about the pledge is really great because I think I think for marketers and especially everything that happened in 2020 with the murder of George Floyd, um, I'm, I'm optimistic in that people wanted to do something and they just didn't know where to start. Um, okay. So the fact that you made it um, accessible for people is really great. Thank you. Yeah, that was the plan. And you know, I just kept hearing so much feedback about people wanting to do something, but literally having no idea where to start or not even knowing what the acronym DEI stood for. And so I realized very quickly that there just needs to be a base level of education to help people feel comfortable about even having the conversation. And that's really what it came down to because people, you know, regardless of their background or where they were coming from, you had some people that felt really passionate about DEI because it really spoke to them. And you had a lot of other people that were scared to even speak in a room where DEI was being talked about or anything about diversity was being talked about because they had no idea how to address it. They had no idea that they have an incredible part in that conversation Um, which I think was a huge, incredible barrier that I continue to try to break down and helping people understand that no matter your background, no matter how you identify, every single person on the planet is diverse by nature of having a unique and individual personality. And that inherently makes you different than every other person on the planet, you know? Even if you have an identical twin, your personalities are different. So everybody is diverse and i think it's about helping people understand that because in my personal opinion the only way to truly get someone to the table where they feel like they can have the conversation is to help them personally identify with dei and with that mission because when they do then it doesn't become work it becomes part of who they are and they can see themselves in it for sure for sure and i think that's a that's a great approach, and it's interesting because um, you know so my all of my career in market research has been focused on multicultural consumers, um, mm-hmm. and I never really saw myself as a DNI expert or thought leader because um, I saw that kind of relegated to the business side of things or HR. Um, but I think after twenty eighteen and and twenty twenty. Um, I started to realize like it's it's the 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 division between D and I and multicultural marketing like was kind of going away. Um and I think someone who really helped me see that was uh, Solomon Bennett. He used to be at head up insights at Target, and um, you know, he was talking about how in order to reach multicultural consumers, they really have to have their own house in order from a store perspective, from a corporate perspective. And I realized, wow, like that's such a good point, right? Like 
um, yeah. how we research people, um, but also who works there is, is, is so important and there's not really a division. So, um, yeah, it's really interesting to see the commonalities in our journey there. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, from from an insights perspective, would love to like. So we were talking a little bit. You've been working at Green Book eleven months. Like, um, <laughs> what are like, what have what have you learned about kind of coming into our industry fairly new? Like, what are some what are some things you're seeing from a DEI perspective, marketing perspective, anything? Like, what some first impressions of the industry? Yeah, it's such it's such an interesting industry, you know, and I think as a marketer, I've always gone into every literally every role I've had, I've gone into a different vertical, which has kept my life very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, with every vertical I go to, I, I get to experience that vertical and exactly the way that it operates, right? And the interesting thing about insights is that I came in with perception because I had you know, been working in pharma, which is where I was um, doing data science. And I've been working in pharma for so long, and, and pharma tends to be very diverse, um, except for when it comes to the research that's happening. And right before I left, there was this big movement, of course, during the pandemic, to start doing more diverse research because they weren't able, we were actually running um, clinical trials for COVID. And there wasn't a ton of research on um, the different types of indications or uh, different ethnicities that were kind of involved in some of these clinical trials. And it really just shed a light because you had so many people in the world that were concerned about vaccines and things like that. And they were asking very specific questions about them specifically. You know, if I specifically get this vaccine, how is it going to affect me? Because I have X, Y, and Z, and, you know, I live here, and I'm a person of color, and, you know, they really have these very good questions about research and how deep the research was going in terms of um, really making sure that representation was there just across the board and across all countries. And so it was interesting then making the transition into insights because in my mind, I wanted to believe that that was... um, not sort of a universal thing and that the insights industry because by nature of what the insights industry does they collect data all of the time right and we're we're synthesizing that data and analyzing that data and telling other people what to do because of the the data that we've collected so in my mind the insights uh, industry was very far along in their dei journey and what i realized is the insights industry is actually um where everybody else is, if not a little bit behind where everybody else is. And I think the way that I like to think about it is uh, another another uh, career that I had uh, in a past life is I was a uh, cosmetologist. And so I love doing hair. And I, um, when I was doing hair, a lot of times my hair tended to be the one that got neglected because I was always focused on everybody else's hair. It's the same thing now as a marketer. My social media is almost <laughs> non-existent. <laughs> I hear that a lot. Yeah. So it's not something I want to do for fun because it's work, right? And it's, you know, it's been that way for years and years. And so it tends to be when you focus so heavily in in your job and your job is something you love, but you focus so heavily in that, 
you tend to not do that research for your own purposes. And it seems to me that that might be what's happened within the insights community is the insights community has been so focused on their clients and what their clients need and things of that nature. And, you know, until recently, over the last couple of years, it seems like there wasn't a ton of, of brands that were looking for DEI research specifically. And now it seems like there's been a huge influx, which then is, of course, weighing on suppliers in the uh, market research space and the insights industry who are now trying to say, okay, how do we do this research? What do we do? How can we get better at this? What can we learn? You know, those sorts of things, because they're trying to now act for their clients and that's what they're asking. And so it's been interesting, I'll say, uh, when I first got into the industry, I was kind of looking around and everybody that I was meeting, um, I didn't see people of color. I saw, I met one person of color, I would say for the first six months that I was in the industry. And mm -hmm. I started to think like, I'm the only one, that there has to be more people that look like me in this industry somewhere. But where? Because I also wasn't seeing um, a lot of information about different organizations. And it wasn't actually until the idea that the Ideal Council um, started making a big splash a couple of months ago. And I went on to LinkedIn and under one of their posts, there were all of these hashtags that led me down a rabbit hole, like a marketing rabbit hole to see kind of what was going on in the space of DEI. And it led me to find, it was uh, uh, MRS Pride. And then I found the color of research and insights and color. And all of a sudden I was like, wait, there are organizations, there are groups that focus in this area. That's so cool. But I had no idea because until that moment, it hadn't come in front of my face. And I have to wonder, why is it not as vid, um, why is it, it as um, visually out there, right? Like why is there not enough visibility on these things? And I haven't figured out the answer yet, but I think uh, representation, like anything else in, in uh, marketing or DEI is, is incredibly important. And so the way that I see my role in this organization now is representative of people of color or at least women of color where they can see themselves reflected hopefully in me in a positive way to say oh there's another person who's leading an insight that looks like me and hopefully that will help encourage people to see that they can be an insight too and then sooner rather than later we can start to bring more uh, diversity into our industry is my hope <laughs> No, I, I love that. And I think you're in a great position. I mean, Green Book is such a, um, it's just such a, I don't want to, I, I want to say big, but, and, and it is big, but I would, I would say like just an important organization in our industry in terms of, I mean, that was one of the first, I mean, I, I've been in the industry for 15 years and that's one of the first places I went to when I first got into the industry to look at for vendors. Um, and I think now that I think about it, actually, there were categories like back in the day when you wanted to look at different panels, they did have the opportunity for you to put Hispanic panel, black panel um, from a research perspective. So I do give kudos to Green Book for that. Um, it's also really great to hear that you found color of research, insights in color. I actually, um, you know, when Whitney Dunlop Fowler founded Insights in Color, 
um, in 2020, uh, you know, after everything that we've we've talked about happened, um, I immediately reached out to her and um, became a founding partner of that organization. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I was really, you know, really loved what Whitney was doing there. Um, she has grown that organization so much. It's like so amazing to hear and to give you a little bit of insight into why those organizations aren't as visible. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's really just driven by people with like full-time jobs and companies. Like yeah. these aren't, you know, organizations like Green Book or, you know, Think Now. Like these are like people that have full-blown jobs that are doing this. And I think that's part of the issue, right? Like it, it's so, so, so much of the, of the um, onus falls on people of color in the industry to raise visibility. Um, mm -hmm. That I don't know, it makes it difficult to, to put it out there and have it a sustaining thing. It does. That's, that's actually one thing that I, I'm so on a mission, Mario. I'm on a mission to help people understand that this work is not the work of people of color. Mm. So often, you know, so often I've been the only person of color in, in my career that's working in a particular job. And it's so easy for people to say, oh, you know, Misty, you like DEI, you know DEI, why don't you do it, right? Like it's always me, it's always my initiatives, it's always me trying to bring people to the table because I found that so many people don't feel like they have a voice in DEI, they don't feel like they know anything about DEI and therefore they can't participate or you know, it's not their job to lead it. And my, my recommendation is exactly the opposite, right? Like if people of color, um, if it was if it was our responsibility, if we had the power to create the the equality and the justice and the inclusion that we're looking for, then it's, none of this would be a problem. <laughs> DEI wouldn't be yeah. necessary because we wouldn't be here. You know, it would be just an inclusive space. And the fact that you know we traditionally have been marginalized means that we don't have the power to do everything because we don't necessarily carry that privilege. And so it really does come down to it is mostly the work of the privileged to help the the people that don't necessarily have a voice and to help those marginalized groups because they have the power to do that right and i think it's about helping inspire that and helping them understand that concept um but again it comes it comes back to inclusivity that's what dei is that's that's the whole idea behind it is making sure that everybody can come to the table and feel included and Everybody has a voice and a responsibility in the journey, the never-ending journey that is is DEI. Yeah, and I think um, the great thing too about diversity, in my opinion, is it it solves a real existential issue that the insights industry has in attracting young talent. Right? Like, yeah. um, you know, you mentioned you went to an event. You know, I and if you go to the event, it's like. It, it tends to be just like older generations that are working um, in the industry. And it's a real problem because we need new talent, you know, as people get out of the industry. Um, and if you look at younger generations, they are just more diverse. Like Gen Z is going to be mm -hmm. the first minority majority generation. Um, okay. And so like, I see it as also a business imperative for the insights industry. We, we need to be diverse not because it's the right thing to do, which I believe, but it's also like we have to. We have to if as, as an industry if we want to survive. Um, and that goes 
for the people we research too, right? Like our clients, they need to talk to diverse people because those are their customers. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and that's, you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's something I've been personally passionate about, um, on the research side for a while, but it's been really nice working with insights and color and helping raise awareness to younger people regarding the insights industry. Because one of the things that I think also is that an issue for us is like the industry, um, and you probably will have a better perspective than us, but like, it's kind of, it's kind of a niche industry. Like people Mm -hmm. don't really know about it until you start doing research and like, through insights and color we actually research this like most people vast majority over 80 percent didn't go to college thinking that they would be researchers or in the insights industry most people (laughs) fell into it i think the average is like three three or four years after college so Mm -hmm. um in order like i don't know i've been i've been working on like how do we how do we attract people from college because it's a to me it's a really great industry it's 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 um there's technology, there's innovation, there's data. Um, and yeah. like you can, you could, um, you know, it, it, compared to other industries, it pays really well. I think it's a great opportunity for young people. Um, mm-hmm. So I've been on a mission, like kind of like, how do, how do we raise awareness of our industry, right? I love that. Yeah. And that's so powerful too. Just thinking about the, the concept of creating real change like that, real sustainable change for the industry right. too. I'm curious, like along that journey, what have you, what have y'all been doing so far to have helped bring that new generation into the industry? Yeah. So we're based out of Los Angeles, think now. Um, and so we've had like interns through um, some local colleges here like USC. So one of the initiatives that we're doing with Insights and Color is letting them know about industry events like SampleCon, like IIEX, um, and trying, you know, reaching out to the organization organizations to see if we can get free or discounted tickets to just get students to go and be exposed to the industry. Um, yeah. So that's one thing we're doing. Also, getting um, you know volunteers that are with the organizations like Core, like Insights and in Color, to just go and talk to local yeah. to local um, colleges to let them know about the opportunities, like. Um, I've, I've talked to like Michigan state, um, USC, um, several other, uh, Cal Poly Pomona, um, and just giving them an overview of the industry, um, because it's literally just a lack of awareness, right? Like people think about marketing or data science, right? They don't think about this whole other part of like surveys and focus groups that I think is really interesting. And for people that are curious, it's like a great place to be. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so funny that you um, earlier described most people as to like falling into the industry. Right. Because I can't even tell you how many times I've heard people say that. <laughs> exactly. Just over the last 11 months, everybody says, oh, I just fell into it. That exact phrase. And it's so interesting to me because even as a data scientist, I had no idea this industry existed. Exactly. And it's crazy and you, you to kinda, say you that. You kind of fell into it, right? <laughs> yeah. I fell into it. It was, it was uh, honestly, it was my work with AMA. Like it all kind of comes full circle. And, um, you know, I, one of the colleagues that I worked so closely with in, um, in AMA, she was the president of the chapter in New York. So the New York AMA, and she actually connected me with Green Book. 
And it was just, it was so cool because I had no idea what it was at all. But then the right. second that I looked into it, I was like, whoa, this is really cool. And I had no idea the industry existed either, but it was like kind of like peeling layers back from an onion, you know, like you see the yeah. first layer, but then you realize once you pull the first one off that there's so many layers under there and there's so much to discover. And I completely agree. I think um, last month, I'm, I'm really proud of this. Last month we had our IET North America, which is one of our, it is our biggest uh, event that Green Book put, puts on every year. And this was the very first time that we were able to go back in person in real life uh, since the pandemic began. And it was so cool because it was also my first opportunity um, to meet people face to face in the industry and have just so many great conversations. And it's an interesting concept for a marketer to be marketing to an audience that I have physically never met before. <laughs> So that was interesting. But to your point about wanting to, you know, create change within the industry and um, bring more people to the table and just be more inclusive. That was part of my marketing strategy for bringing people into IX North America. You know, we're having this, uh, the, uh, the campaign started about seven months ago or so. And the idea was, okay, we're trying to have one of the biggest events in Insights at the tail end of a pandemic in Texas at that. <laughs> and so uh, the idea was, how the heck are we going to get all of these people here, you know? And so my idea was, and this is the direction that I've moved all of Green Book in, the idea behind community. That Green Book is a community that we as an insights community are a community, right? So we're in all of this together. And so the way that, you know, our team has been breaking down our communications is by being more inclusive and using words that everyone can understand, you know, because it's not just the insights professionals that are coming to Green Book. We have a ton of marketers. We have a ton of small business and entrepreneurs. We have uh, just everybody that's interested in insights and data, which in theory, I'm a little bit biased, but should be literally everyone in the world. (laughs) So we're talking to everybody. And the only way that we become an inclusive industry is if we start speaking to people in a way that they can understand and allowing them to come in and allowing them to see the need and allowing them to see, you know, that we have an inclusive community and we have a community that can get you all the insights and all the data and all of the things that you're looking for, that you're, you're searching on Google for hours and hours and hours. You know, we have a directory that will help you cut that time by a million percent, you know, and just go and search what you need. But people will never know if we're always speaking over their heads. And so that was the idea behind it is really use inclusive language, get people in, do something exciting. And so for the first time, um, I'm getting a little bit into marketing stuff here, but for the first time we did an event in dark mode, right? And so that's naturally where, you know, the screen is black and then you've got all these great, bright colors. And it was perfect because we were doing it in Austin. And when I think of Austin, I think of city lights and nightlife and music and all of these things. And we wanted this idea of excitement. This is the first time we're all coming back in person and, you know, we can do all these things. And it's going to be so much fun and so exciting. And for two months before we released the agenda for the speakers, we had just tons of people coming in and registering and signing up just off of the excitement that we were able to create from visually changing things up. 
and just getting people hyped up to come in. And so I think that um, there is so much room to grow in this industry is the point of this whole entire story. There's so much room to grow. But I think in order to do so, we have to think a little bit differently. Think outside the box, right? And how are we going to get those younger generations to come into the industry? Younger generations are, are very much about digital and they're very visual, right? So we know that particularly Gen Z loves to get their content via video. And so if you're an organization that you know has a website that looks like it's from 1992, you're probably not going to attract millennials or Gen Z or really anybody that, that pays attention to uh, those sorts of things, and especially marketers, right? Like so many times the insights industry focuses on marketers and wanting to get in front of buyers and marketers and marketing teams and, and things of that nature. But if you're not, if from a marketing perspective, if marketers are going to your website and they're not seeing that you have the credentials, at least on the outside, like visibly, if there's nothing visibly attractive to a marketer, and they're probably gonna go find somebody else. Marketers are really tough and really judgy on websites. And <laughs> and I think, you know, it's an underrated thing, but it's so important. If I go to somebody's website and it looks old or outdated, I think, okay, well, that's a reflection of the work that they're gonna do. And it's just not something that I wanna be a part of. And I think that, you know, it's not always true by any means, but that's something that's important for, for folks to know that the what you the image that you portray if you really want to bring new people in you really have to take a look at the inside out not only how is the internal communication going what do you internally believe but how are you externally promoting yourself as well what do people see when they think of your company and what do people think of when they when they see your brand now it's it's so great as you're talking i'm realizing it's so great to have a marketer in our industry in a position that you're in, right? Because it's funny, you mentioned about, um, you know, not wanting to do your social media because you're always on social media, right? I think yeah. the similar can be said for market research companies. Mm -hmm. We are so bad at marketing, even though that's what we do. Like, <laughs> you get, right? Like all of our websites yeah. are stuck in like early 2000s. Um, mm -hmm. So it's great that you're coming in and saying, hey, we need to change things up because that will help us from a diversity perspective. An another thing, when you mentioned websites, I, I said this at a conference, like if people aren't seeing themselves reflected in the company, they're not going to apply, right? Yeah. So if, if you go to a company's about us and it's no one's face looks like your face in leadership, mm -hmm. you know, like they're not going to apply. Um, yeah. And I think that's so important for companies to realize like, you need to have people in leadership that um, are diverse. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to attract diverse candidates. And another thing that that I was, as you were talking, that I thought about, like getting new people in the industry. I think when you know when this big push for inclusion happened, I think everybody in every industry scrambled to find diverse talent. And the reality is, is that in our industry, there really isn't much. There really, like, there aren't many. Like, you you went to the events, you saw, right? And yeah. um, I think that companies have to be intentional. I mean, that, that's one thing that we're really proud of and think now. Like, you got to look at universities that you typically don't look at. You got to be okay with 
hiring people that maybe don't have a research background because you have to start from somewhere and like um getting people in the industry is going to take some work but i think it's going to pay off it's going to be you're going to have better research you're going to have you know like having more mm-hmm. voices at the table to know to let you know like hey maybe you shouldn't ask that question that way um <laughs> like right like i think i think yeah. that's such an important thing and um I don't know, just having that different perspective, I think that's just something I wanted to point out to your point. I completely agree. I think that um, to your earlier point about going and looking on the About Us page, that is legitimately the first thing that I do when right. I'm even considering an organization is look and see, okay, am I going to be the only person that looks like me in this organization? And if so, how do I feel about that? Right? Like what does the company right. stand for? What am I seeing that makes me in particular feel comfortable going to that company? And I think, you know, I've said it to a lot of people and I think a lot of people feel shocked about that. And they're like, what? You would, you would pay attention to that. Why would you pay attention to that? Because I am reminded that I am not, white constantly by just how I'm treated in the world, you know? And so I think that it's, it's about making safe spaces for people. And to your point earlier about, you know, that rush where people are just looking for diverse talent over the last couple of years, it's also about not being performative because Mm. there's a big difference between being intentional and building out a space within your organization where they genuinely feel comfortable and confident to be themselves and speak their mind like everybody else can. Or you can simply place that person in this this industry and this environment that you've always had and not think about how they feel or how they would react or you know if they feel like they have a voice. And nine times out of 10, you're gonna lose that person. It doesn't matter how much effort you put into getting them. If you don't lay the groundwork to make sure they feel comfortable and actually adjust the environment with inside internally, then you're never going to keep them. And I think that's something I really want people to understand because otherwise it's just being performative. It's checking a box and saying, oh, look, now when people go to our About Us page, there's a person of color on there. So we check that box. Okay, moving on. Yeah. That's not a thing that can happen because that person of color will not be there for very long. <laughs> so true. And they're going to be, um, yeah, you, you, if it's performative, they're going to be your biggest spokesperson to other people of color, right? Um, and, and you want to have a good recommendation if you want to attract diverse talent. So yeah, that's such a great point. Um, yeah, I wanted to dive in before, I mean, believe it or not, we're almost at our time, but we talked a little bit before we started recording, like what you're doing at Green Book. I know you just started, you're taking an inventory of what's going on from a DEI perspective. Can you tell us a little bit about about your plans and 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 what you're doing from that from that perspective? Yeah. And so so my plan for Green Book is really to start from the ground up. And I, you know, you've probably heard me say that a couple of times now, but it's because the last thing that you want to do when you're doing DEI work, or at least laying a, a DEI foundation, is be performative. You really want it to be uh, woven into everything that the organization is doing, but that starts internally first, right? And so Internally, we have to do a lot of DEI education and make sure that everybody is on the same page 
about what our company believes in, right? And we've got so many awesome people at Greenbook. I know everybody really loves DEI, but it's about bringing the team together and agreeing on things and saying, okay, this is gonna be our mission as it pertains to DEI. This is what we're gonna do. This, these are the, the, the missions and the goals that we have set out for this, and here's why. This is our vision, and here's why, right? And it starts inside out because everything that you do in an organization feeds into all the work that's being done. And so if you truly want to have DEI woven into every facet of an organization, that starts with your people. And it means that your people have to inherently understand it and be rallied around it and love it so that when they're doing their work, they're just putting it into, they're thinking through a DEI lens, right? And they're they're putting it into every survey that they're building or every person that they're speaking. They're, they're really looking at it from that really global and inclusive space. And so that's what we're trying to do with, with uh, DEI with Greenbook is starting internally and then making sure that everyone internally feels represented and connected so that the work that we do externally can then reflect that and amplify that so that our overall community also then feels like it's an inclusive space because it was built from the inside out. So that's what I love we're that. doing there. Yeah, I can't wait to see um, the impact you have on Greenbook on such an influential organization. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, I know yeah. you're not on socials very much, but <laughs> if, if people want to follow you, follow your journey, what's the best way to find you online? Yeah, so they can find me on LinkedIn at Misty Wilson PR. Um, and it's the exact same on um, Twitter as well. So you can find me there. I am going to attempt to. It's my, my resolution for this year is to be more present on social, um, at least on LinkedIn, if nothing else. So <laughs> definitely feel free to reach out to me. I love having conversations uh, with anybody and everybody as I continue to get to know people within the industry. So definitely feel, to feel free to reach out anytime. Thank you so much, Misty, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Maria. Thanks to everyone listening in. To get more multicultural insights, check us out at thinknow.com and follow us on social media. You can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform. Final thank you to our producer, Lucas Martinez, who created our intro music and makes our podcast sound great. T-mail him reach out to martinez.lucas.a at gmail.com.